Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I'll tell you when you get a fucking water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is January 2nd, 2020. Happy New Year to Bucks Nation. Yeah. New decade. Still dealing with the hangovers. <laughs> We're trying to start again. Start what again? Another hangover. Oh, yeah. Molly's uh, biting the hair of the dog. Bit her. <laughs> or, what is it? Is it biting the hair? To, bite the... Hair of the dog that bit you? That's all I know. Hair the, <laughs> I mean, what do you do? Bite it or drink it? or Drink it. Drink the hair of the dog that bit you? That's gross. All right. Got the uh, All-22 Coaches Film Review done of the Atlanta Falcons game. Week 17, last game of the season. Boy, it was just as depressing to watch as it was to see it live. Actually, I wasn't really depressed by it. I, th- I was very thrilled with the way everything turned out. Of course, I would have loved to win. I would love to see Matt Gay make those three field goals. I would have loved Jameis Winston not to have thrown that interception at the end. But all in all, you know, I like this team. There ain't, there ain't nobody I don't want to see back. There's, and there's said, nobody that I don't want to not see back. Yeah, I want everybody to come back. I'm going to be sad. Anybody we cut. B.A. said that their priority is to get the defense, the front seven, re-signed everybody there, Sue, JPP, Shaq Barrett. They were like their three big ones. Definitely have the strongest position on our team. Then they all, he also said that extending Chris Godwin is high on their list of priorities. Second strongest unit on the team. <laughs> right. The wide receivers. <laughs> exactly. So I'm excited for free agency. I don't think that they are going to start working on that anytime soon, especially with Winston. B.A. said they're going to do some evaluating, and we likely wouldn't really know until March. If you listen to that post-game press conference, Darren's was not real thrilled with Winston. That's the first time he's ever been like that, where he you know, he flat-out blamed Winston for that last interception. And, I, you know, I was kind of like, ooh, man, this does not look good for Winston going into the offseason with Aaron's pissed off at him. We'll talk about those comments later because it stirred up some controversy as well. Oh, yeah. Is that fun. the one that you're going to put at the end? I think you should. I already Let's... did. I did that. You did? Yeah. did okay. that last podcast. The last one. After the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish we could just freeze all the players, put them in suspended animation or whatever, and then just <laughs> restart them week one next week, next year. I'm not looking forward to free agency. I'm just, I'm worried we're going to. I am because I think that we're going to get a lot of the guys back. I hope so. I hope so. All right, what did we see from the game? Well, I feel like it's been so long since we played. I don't remember anything. Well, I was extremely drunk, too, so I didn't remember much anyhow. <laughs> I was so drunk that last podcast. I was slurring all my words and stuff. <laughs> uh, okay, the, what did I see on the coach's film? We played more physical in the first half of the game. Towards the end, it looked like we were getting a little tired, but we were definitely more physical. There was a lot of pushing and shoving going on after the plays. We were throwing people around. Uh, got the video, the YouTube video done. It, it'll be posted up on YouTube probably Friday around noon, afternoon, some some point. But I, I pointed out a couple of those plays where our guys were just being much more physical. The big takeaway from this game was our field. Remember last year we played Atlanta? Or was it last year or year before? I think it was last year. We played Atlanta at home, and I counted 20-some-plus slips. Yeah, I do remember that. Same thing in this game. Over 20 slips in this game. That is so weird. We got to look into that field. It, you know, it might explain a lot why my, Matt Gay doesn't make kicks at home. Jenna Lane tweeted that he's been dealing with leg and back injuries also. Yeah, that's true. He was hurt. Remember when he tried to make that tackle right. against Houston? But also, you know, our home record is worse than our away record. Our away record was, what, 5-3 and three this year or something like that? Well, other teams don't seem to have a problem in our stadium. That's true. Except Aaron Rodgers, because he's a punk. <laughs> but yeah, the guys were slipping and falling down all over the place. 
all over the place. Something about, I don't know if it's the quick, but me and you have been bitching about that for years. The, the, the equipment manager. Yeah, if they got new one this year, it doesn't seem to help. Well, who knows what it takes in Florida where you're getting a lot of rain. I'm sure that they have to have special drainage on the field. and They do. You know. Yeah, something something's up though, man, because it's just slip sliding all over the place. Did it rain that day? Probably. It's Tampa. Does it rain every day, like even in December? Yeah, probably. Winston made a lot of tight throws into coverage. A lot. As a matter of fact, it was very rare if he had a guy open. Same could be said for Matt Ryan. Both of our secondaries played quite similar. Uh, they were really attached to the receivers. There was not a whole lot of open receivers out there. Except, there's one I'll get to later. But Winston was having to throw some serious tight balls into coverage. Too many. A lot of them were not wise throws either. <laughs> 35, Jamal Dean almost blocked a field goal kick. Dang it. He came within inches of it. Inches of it. I don't know if they just started having him on the edge of the special teams unit. I don't ever remember, recall ever seeing him out there. But, yeah, he came within inches of blocking that thing. He's so long. And he just, he's got that length. As Arians <laughs> like to say, length. But, yeah, he stretched out, almost blocked it. That was in the uh, first, the second quarter. The O-line played well. Winston did not have a whole lot of pressure at all. He did have a few times where he got happy feet. I pointed one out in the video, you know, where he just had there was no pressure on him whatsoever, and he just ran out. But the O-line played played really well. Uh, Ronald Jones had his best day running, I think. Oh, yeah, of his career. He I, had over 100 yards. I wouldn't say it was necessarily because of the O-line blocking, though. Oh. Uh, there were a couple of times where the O-line did open up huge holes for him, and he would go the other way. It was kind of weird. Uh, our running backs seem to do that quite a bit. Uh, of all the old offensive linemen, DeMar Dotson had the worst day. He looked just really pooped out there. He was not putting a lot of energy and effort into it. The old guy, it. he's getting tired. That might be it. That might be it. Ready to go out to pasture. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost Dotson this offseason. I mean, at a minimum, we need to draft a replacement. Mass. I agree with you there. Our special teams has got to start playing better. Our punt and kick returns. These guys got to start blocking, man. They're just not they are not getting the job done. I mean, as soon as the guy catches the ball back there, he's being swarmed by the opposing team. There's just too many instances where guys are not blocking anybody or looking confused out there or just getting all jumbled up with each other. And if that's the case, it's not really going to matter whether we draft a specialist or bring in a specialist because if they're getting hit immediately, right. yeah. it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, it doesn't matter who we put back there at this point. Yeah, Ronald Jones had his best game. He really had a really good series in the, uh, I think it was the third quarter from about 8.37 to 5.07. We had a good drive. Ended up Matt Gay missing a field goal towards the end. But he had four runs in that series. It was eight yards, 25 yards, 16 yards, and eight yards. I mean, it's just like every time he got the ball, it was like, boom, he was gone. And most of it was him. It wasn't like our offensive line was opening up huge holes and he wasn't getting contact until he was 10 yards down the field. He was... Juking and jiving all the way down there. Atlanta did a lot of dive blocking, you know, where they, uh, you know, like the offensive line and, and the, the tight ends and stuff, when they were in charge of blocking somebody, they would go at their knees, you know. Is that legal? Yeah. Yeah, it's legal. You just kind of get in the way of them, try and trip them up. That's the best they can do, I think. <laughs> yeah. There's a term for it, but I can't remember what it is. Let me look it up real quick. Chop block. Really? You couldn't remember chop block? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> anytime I think chop block now, I think of the illegal chop block. Right. So that was very interesting just to have the linemen block that away. And it wasn't just the linemen. The running backs did it. The tight ends did it. Interesting. 
I don't really recall if they were doing, they did that in our first game or not. I don't think so. But it was a lot of it. And you could tell our, our defense was getting kind of pissed off at it. <laughs> I think at that point, don't you just kind of shove them in the dirt? Right. Just jump over them. Yeah. But it seemed to work good with uh, Vita. He he had a problem with it. He he would get caught up in it more than. Well, he can't jump more than like three inches. <laughs> <Right>. So. <laughs> yeah, so it, you know that's what they might be figuring out. You know, hey, got to take him down, take him out of the ankles, take him out of the knees. <laughs> Shaq Barrett, he got what three sacks, right? I think so. No, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't two remember. sacks. Two, two and a half. Something like that. JPP got quite a few. Three, I think. I couldn't recall which way it was, who got three and who got two. You know, JPP hit all his bonuses. <laughs> what were his bonuses? I don't know, but it, I think it was like sacks and all the all the incentives he had in his contract, he hit all of them. Which is impressive considering he didn't start till week eight, week nine. Okay, so Barrett had three, JPP had two. Check Barrett got three sacks, playing less than 50% of the defensive snaps. What? Yeah. And a lot of those he was dropped back into coverage on. That's an incredible amount of ratio. Yeah, so he played 44 defensive snaps. Why wasn't he playing that much? Does he normally I, play that much? Oh, yeah, no. He normally plays up like in the 70, 80, yeah. 90%. Yeah, it's very strange. I think what they were doing is they wanted to get a look at O'Connor, Patrick O'Connor. and Okay. Nelson? Nelson. Was he out there? Yeah, they both played uh, 18% of the snaps apiece, uh, which is really high for both of them. Uh Nacho played 15% of the snaps. But that's just pure speculation on my part that they were wanting to see a little bit more from O'Connor and Nelson. Uh, we did a lot of weird different configurations on the defense, defensive front. We dropped uh, Sue back in coverage a lot, Vea back in coverage, Golston back in coverage. Nassa How did they back do in back in coverage? Yeah, they did all right. I mean, this was good. They're, basically, they're basically just stand there. It's not, <laughs> not like they're going to be chasing after receivers. Right. Uh but, yeah, I mean, for Barrett to get three sacks on about, I'd say, 38 plays. That's incredible. That is, that is incredible. That's one, one sack per 11 plays or so. That's nuts. Uh, he had one. I'll put this in the video. The last sack he got, he lines up and he recognizes I don't know how he recognizes it, but he recognized that the running back was going to run out for a pass Kind of like a screen pass, except he didn't have any blockers in front of him. He just ran out to the left. He was lined up back in the back with Matt Ryan. And you see Barrett go to line up, and then he points at the running back, and he turns around, and he starts telling everybody, apparently, hey, the running back's getting ready to go out for a pass. That's this play. I tell you, we got a smart defense. These guys know football. And sure enough, they hike the ball, the running back runs over to the left, and Matt Ryan goes to throw it to him. But unfortunately... They didn't block Shaq Barrett on that play. So he Stupid. just had a straight shot and clobbered Matt Ryan before he could get that ball off. But Shaq Barrett read it the whole time. He knew. But there was nobody out there covering that running back. If he wouldn't have got to Matt Ryan, that would have been a big play. So that was his last sack of the season. It was it was just really neat seeing him, you know, tell everybody, hey, hey, this guy's uncovered and he's going out for a pass. That's what it looked like he was saying. But he definitely knew what was going on with the play. But then they, they didn't block him because they figured they could get the ball out fast enough. But he's so fast, and the running back didn't turn his head around quick enough. And that's really not a gamble you should be taking. No, no, I didn't. No, uh -uh. not with Shaq, man. Okay, biggest biggest thing about this game was the last drive by the Atlanta Falcons. That's what won them the game. And it was a large combination of we screwed up and they played very well. On fourth and four, 
They had a fourth and four. This was a minute, 19 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I think they were on their 41, somewhere in that area, about midfield. Uh, it was fourth and four. They had to make this. There was no, you know, if we would have stopped them here, game over. We were up by three. They they were trying to get down the field, score a field goal. They got a first down because MJ Stewart was in the game, and he gave the running back or the wide receiver going across the middle just too much cushion. The guy was able to catch the ball, but he didn't catch the ball past the first down marker. He had to run for the first down marker. He still had about three yards to go. Twenty-four, Orion Stewart came in like a missile. I mean, that guy. The guy, he read the play the whole time, so he comes running down from the safety position. He's got his eyes targeting this guy, and he missed him. Totally whiffed. And the guy the guy didn't even try to run for the first down. He just kind of jumped forward for it and landed on his back to get the first down. I was like, oh! But MJ Stewart was in because Bunning got hurt. So, And, and that, that was another thing, too. I even pointed this out. I did this for you, Molly, in particular. Matt Ryan is one of the best quarterbacks at reading the field. If you fall down or you screw up in coverage, Matt Ryan's going to throw it to your guy. It's just how it is. When Bunny got hurt and fell down, Matt Ryan immediately recognized it and threw it to the guy he was covering, and he ended up getting like 20 yards or so. But it was just, it was just, I find it because I talk about it all the time, and there was a perfect example, you know. Bunny pulls up. I don't know what he got, a hamstring or a knee or something. It was non-contact. I thought ankle. Might have been ankle. It was non-contact. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but as soon as he falls, you see Matt Ryan look over there and see it. Boom, do it to his guy. 20 yards. But anyhow, back to that drive. Okay, so they get the first down. I remember that play on the broadcast, too, when it was so demoralizing because... The fourth and four play? The fourth and four. Yeah, yeah. Because we had him behind that line of scrim- or the line to gain. Yeah, the, I, it, was, it was... If 24 had made that tackle... If 24 had made that tackle or MJ Stewart over. would have stuck to his guy... Uh, MJ Stewart looked like he was kind of confused out there a lot. You know, didn't uh, there's another play I'll get to here in a second. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't playing with the oomph that the rest of the secondary plays for sure. And uh, he he looked confused. But that was man coverage, and he was supposed to follow his guy. He let the guy get out in front of him, kind of jogged behind him. But anyhow, so that was a mistake on our part there to get that fourth and four. Very demoralizing. Then 47 seconds left. Third and 12. Third and 12. Now, we have been phenomenal on third and long yeah. all season. Yeah, there was at one point a few games ago, and I haven't looked it up. I don't even know where to look it up. But we hadn't allowed a third and seven or more all year long. That's just amazing. I know. So anyhow, third and 12. We got this, right? We got third and 12. Oh, yeah. No problem. They tricked us. They snapped the ball before we were ready. Our whole secondary was, was talking to each other, like facing each other. Even the Kong Sioux was turned around talking to the secondary. Our linebackers and everybody was not prepared for this play. And as soon as Alec Mack put his hand on the ball, he snapped it. And Ryan was in shotgun position. So, you know, they weren't expecting them to snap the ball that quick. And he snapped it. And he, th- their whole offense is moving. Our guys are still turned around looking at each other. You know, it took them a second to realize what was going on. And this was the only time in the game where they had a wide-open receiver, and he shot across. It was uh, 14 Hardy. He gets wide open in the middle and uh, catches a pass, then plus the yards after the catch. He ended up with 21 yards, put him in field goal range. So that's two mistakes on our part on the last drive they had, two two disastrous mistakes. And it was it was two good things on their part, too. Yeah. But we just were not. It, it shocked our whole defense. You could see they were all just like, what? You know, there's guys running past us. And then they were, you know, so confused, they didn't, they, they left a man open in coverage. And of course, you leave a man open coverage with Matt Ryan, he's going to see the guy to throw it to him. You can't make mistakes with Matt Ryan. Then with 38 seconds left, right? This might have been the next play. 
83 Gage is his name. He got a 12-yard reception that put him in chip shot field goal range before they were in, you know, kind of iffy field goal range territory. But then uh, he got a 12-yard reception, put him in field goal range. Guess whose fault that was? M. Day Stewart. Yep. And Carlton Davis was furious. I mean, just flapping his hands and goes up to him and was pointing at him. Yeah. M. Day Stewart, it, I couldn't really tell from the film whose responsibility it was. There was three Buccaneers on that side of the field covering two guys, and one of them got open. But M.J. Stewart wasn't doing anything. He was kind of sitting there. You know, it looked like they it, they were playing a zone coverage. I, I want to say it was quarters, but M.J. Stewart and another defender over on the other side of the field lined up exactly in the same spot. But the receiver that caught the ball, 83 Gage, was closer to Stewart. And Stewart was in the line of the path of the ball if he would have just moved over about three feet. But he left it open, and the guy caught the ball. And boy, was Carlton Davis furious. Well, remember during the offseason, MJ Stewart, the coaching staff, was talking him up. Uh, Nick Rapone, the defensive backs coach, was just glowing about him, how he'd be the nickel or he'd be the starting safety. And then come the regular season, he's a backup. It was a very strange... I haven't seen much of him all year. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been starting. Mm-mm. He comes in occasionally, but yeah, I w- think that he just got outplayed by these rookies, and you can't really blame the coaching staff. He was not playing with energy out there. He so, actually kind of looked like he didn't want to be out there. Even when Carlton Davis went over and started yelling at him, he just turned around and walked away. He wasn't, like, dialoguing with him or trying to communicate or anything. You know, maybe that – Attitude as a holdover from Vernon Hargreaves. That could be. Yeah, maybe Vernon Hargreaves was his friend. Now, for the big one, the interception over time, Jameis Winston. 100% Jameis Winston's fault. I, I thought it was an out route that he threw, but it wasn't. It was more of a hitch. Uh, it was He threw it to Cameron Brait. Uh, Cameron Brait went out about six yards and then turned around and sat waiting for Winston to throw in the ball. Winston should not have thrown the ball. The linebacker, the linebacker didn't hardly move the whole play. He just stood there. So he clearly knew what was happening. Yeah, he. Did. I mean, he was, you know, a, a few feet away from Cameron Bray, just standing there. And when he saw Jameis Winston throw the ball, he just walked right in front of Cameron Bray, grabbed it, and ran it in for a touchdown. It was, you know, Cameron Bray might could have moved over a little bit, tried to block the guy from getting the ball or whatever. Jameis Winston should have thrown it sooner than he did, too. He waited a little bit longer than he should have. But he locked in on Cameron Bray that whole time, didn't look anywhere else, threw that ball. In there. I mean, it was one of the easiest picks in the world for that linebacker. I mean, all he had to do was take two, two steps, and he was right there, and then he just ran it right into the end zone. So... I can see why Bruce Arians was furious about that one. I thought it was more of an out route, and the the guy had undercut the route, but it was a hitch, and the guy, I mean, the guy undercut the route, but wasn't like anything special he did on his part. You know, he was just like, oh, hey, that guy, he's throwing it right there. I'm just going to step in front of it. So definitely Jameis Winston's fault. Looking at this game, uh, you know, I said I said at the after the game at the instant reaction that we were definitely the better team. I think we were about the same team. I think that's been the case for years. Freeman was running all over top of us. Not too many big guard runs, but, you know, he was getting six, eight, 12 yards like that. Straight up the middle. We, we haven't had that all year. Uh, Derrick Henry did it, but it was, that was due to a lot of holding on their offensive line. No, he was running. Our, <laughs> yeah, but Devontae didn't get any more yards than anyone else ever does. It's not like he had, like, a 100-yard game against us. But he was getting these up the middle. Nobody's been able to run up against the middle on us. And he was getting them quite frequently. 
You know, and a lot of that had to do with the rotation we were putting in. You know, a lot of times the guys weren't the run stoppers and uh, guys were slipping and falling down. A lot of missed tackles in this game. Uh, That's so unlike us. Yeah, yeah, it was. So this is a hard one if you say, did we win it? Did we lose it? Did we beat ourselves? Did we beat them? Did the refs give to them? There was a, a play where Matt Ryan threw intentional grounding. They didn't call it. Yeah. It made me furious. I hate that call. Oh, I know. I know. They got to do something about that. I mean, we James Winston got called for it during the game. Matt Ryan didn't. Are you surprised? No. Me neither. No. Yeah. Uh, but this is a really tough one because they played well. You know, it wasn't like they were out there screwing up. and Or not a whole lot. And we lost the game on that last. And it was our defense that lost it for us. On that last drive. It yeah. shouldn't have never come to overtime. It should not have come to overtime, exactly. And it was a long drive that they got real quickly. And it was mainly because we screwed up. And we know Matt Ryan can do that. Right. Except in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so is it? did we beat ourselves? And that's what I'd have to go with here. We beat ourselves. We just made dumb dumb. Decisions, dumb, big mistakes that cost us. You know, Matt Ryan will capitalize. This team will capitalize on your mistakes. And we made mistakes. That overtime throw by James Winston, it was just a bad decision. Uh, they capitalized on it. You know, snapping the ball early, they capitalized on that mistake. Got a 20-some yard play out of it. Uh, we fall down in coverage. They capitalized on it. Uh, MJ Stewart, you know, doesn't cover his man good enough. We miss a tackle. They capitalize. You know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, we, we shot ourselves in the foot. They capitalized on it. So it's hard to say. Did we lose it? Did they win it? Did we, you know, that thing. So I'm just going to call it a wash. 50-50. It was, draw. Yeah. We, our defensive line is heads and shoulders above theirs. I mean, they're guys, they're guys didn't get any pressure on James Weston Harley at all. So we, we should, you know, just on that, we should have won the game. But, you know, our kicker missing those field goals. James making some stupid decisions. A few breakdowns in the on the defense, but that one, that one where they caught us off guard. I was like, oh, I don't know if it was masterful or if, if it was just, you know, I, I wanted to throttle our defense, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, they all fell for that. You know, but you know, it's Sue fell for it. Sue is a, you know, he's a football studious. He's got a high football IQ. Yes, very high football IQ, and he wasn't prepared. He was caught off guard by that one. Yeah, of the 11 guys in our defense, I think three or maybe four were ready at the snap. So the other eight were totally unprepared. And it really comes down to those few plays. That whole game did it. So yeah, it was a good game. I still like this team, man. I you know, there ain't nobody on this team I want to see leave. Maybe I'm Jay Stewart. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the chopping block. Yeah, I think that the guys at the, the bottom end of the roster have got a lot of worrying to do. Because we got we gotta sign our big boys. Everybody else is sacrificial lambs. Right, so yeah, don't forget to go check out the YouTube video on the uh, our YouTube channel. Just search for Buccaneers Observer or whatever. You know what? Nah, if you if you're not even subscribed by now, <laughs> come on. Why go, you listen to this podcast? Yeah, why you listen to the podcast? Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Then you're done. You could share them too. Let other let other fans revel in this gloriousness <laughs> that is the Buccaneers Observer. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we got some news. All right, let's get to it. We're going to start with Bucks news and what's been going on this week. And then we'll go into the NFL news. Per Rick Stroud, Shaq Barrett became the first Bucks player to lead the NFL in sacks. Did Big money that? coming his way. Isn't that crazy? He's getting ready to cash it out. And he should. But I hope he gives us a discount. Yeah, no, he played great. <laughs> he played great in this game. There were some plays 
He was just, it, but it's been like that all year. There was one where he was being blocked by a tight end and a running back, which is just dumb. America. Yeah, <laughs> America. And he he got a sack on that one, I believe. He he just beat both of them up. Did he beat the tight end with the running back? That's what I want to <laughs> know. He picked the running back up by the angles, <laughs> right. beat the tight end. That way. Perfect crime. And then still had time to sack Matt Ryan. Yeah. The Bucks led the NFL in penalties this year. We had 134. I bet 130 of them were Shaq Barrett jumping <laughs> off sides. We would have had more if Gerald McCoy was here. <laughs> oh, that's true. He was always good for one or two a game. We that- had 134 this game, 117 last year. Wow. I did not know that. But we finished third with penalty yards with 1,111, up from 975 last year. This is all per Greg Allman, by the way. We led the league also in pre-snap penalties with 56. We had 41 last year. That was all Shaq Barrett. <laughs> yeah, he tries to anticipate the snap. He had one in this game. Two of the non-priority guys as far as re-signing, they made comments about whether they want to be in Tampa. Carl Nassib, he's going to be a free agent. Shaq Barrett, hold on, don't mean to interrupt you. Shaq Barrett had 10 penalties this year. Five neutral zone infractions, five defensive offsides, and one face mask. Yeah, not that bad. Yeah. I'll take it yeah, for I'll, the sack leader. Yeah, I'll take 10 penalties for right. 19 and a half sacks. And plus all the other stuff he did. I mean, the guy was just he was incredible. An incredible football player. We got to keep him. Uh. Carl Nassib. So, again, he'll be a free agent after the season. And he said that this was the best roster he's ever been a part of and the best team he's ever been a part of. Oh, there we go. So high praise. And then... He's been on the team for, what, two years? Yeah, two years, I think. Which was a steal and a find by Jason Light. He needs to get a ton of credit for that. Yeah, yeah. On waivers from the Browns. Rashad Perryman said that he hopes to stay in Tampa. He said that this offense is fun to play in. Man, he was spectacular in that game. Damar Dotson was on Pewter Report and said that the team should not move on from Winston. The locker room is behind him. So that's kind of a big thing, I think. And by the way, Ralph and I are actually going to debate the Winston issue. Well, we say we are, but... We're going to do it. We're going to do it this time. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love a good debate. Pros and cons. You know I'm going to argue with you. Supposedly I am on the con side. You are. Molly is on the pro side. Okay. We're going to have a whole podcast dedicated to that. We are. Oh, the Buccaneers 2020 schedule. Not the schedule, but their opponents have been announced or have been solidified. So I'm going to go through those real quick. At home, we will see Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers can bitch about our field again. <laughs> He's going to see a lot of it with his stupid face in the dirt. He's going to get a lot of turf in his <laughs> yeah. helmet. Right. Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. New Orleans, the Chargers, Atlanta, the Panthers, and the Rams. We will see them at home. Away, we will be going to Chicago, Detroit, Denver, Oakland, the Saints, Atlanta, Carolina, and the freaking Giants again. Well, well, it's good that we're not playing Green Bay at Green Bay, Kansas City at Kansas City, yeah, or Minnesota at Minnesota. And we're playing the cold weather teams early, Chicago and Detroit, although Detroit has a dome, so that doesn't really matter. We don't know when the schedule Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we could be at Chicago. Ugh. Cold, but that's the only one. New York Giants, that's cold, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Giants is a tough stadium to play in, but... And they always seem to have our number. 
like the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on that level. We're now. on that level. <laughs> that Patriots level. All right, so, you know, that's a relatively tough schedule for next year if yeah, we'll teams see. stay the same. That's a lot of playoff teams we're doing. Did, did Kansas City make the playoffs? They did. So, yeah. that's good. One, two, three, four. Yeah, Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota, New Orleans, and that's it. That's four playoff teams. Yeah. Out of. Don't hurt yourself over there, Ralph. You can do it. 12, 13. 19. <laughs> so, four out of 13. How many did we play this year, playoffs team? We played Tennessee, Houston, New Orleans. Seattle. Seattle. San Francisco. San Francisco. So six of our games, six of our 16 games were against playoff teams. And we lost teams to every made. single one of them. <laughs> they were close games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. With Jameis leading the league in passing yards and Shaq Barrett leading the lead in sacks, we are the first team to have league leaders in both categories in the same season. Damn, how are we 7-9? and nine? I know. That's per Greg Allman, by the way. Again, we now officially have the 14th pick in the draft. Slap dag in the middle. Which, you know, I don't yeah. know that since I've been a fan, we have ever been out of the top 10. Sweet. I can't recall that so this happening. A, this draft is going to be a big deal for you. Well, I don't know if I can stay up that late. Like, the 14th <laughs> pick, that's like, what, 10, 30, 11? I'll be out. Ugh, the draft is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not it's not that boring. I well, mean, you know, if we yeah, knew, it's boring. If we knew Because we don't know any of the guys. Uh, so we're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dove and Wayne, that's cool. And we sound yeah. like that when we said it, too. Especially you. <laughs> I was mimicking you. Devin White is the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month again in December. And he is the first player in 10 years to win that award in consecutive months per Scott Smith. Sweet. So, good for Devin. I'm very, very pleased with that one. We were not high on him initially. Well, he, he, he was just rough around the edges. Yeah. He solidified. He hadn't quite gotten his footing yet. And plus, he was hurt, too. Yeah. So. March 10th at 4 p.m., that's the uh, deadline for teams to tag players. So, we'll know if we're going to tag. Uh, we have a franchise tag and a... Tender? Transition tag. So, we get to use what two tags that? a day. I've never heard of a transition tag. Uh, you. This is the... Only year, and I, I don't know, it's because if things got screwed up with like the CBA or whatever, it's like in between uh, where a team can use the transition tag and the franchise tag. So we can use both of them. Uh, it's where teams can uh, retain unrestricted free agents by guaranteeing the club original first refusal to match any offer the player makes with any other team. Remember, with uh, this happened with Michael Bennett, you know, he said he was going to let us match. Any offer he got from another team, but then he didn't. He just went to Seattle and signed with them. Such a dick. Yeah. We didn't transition tag him that year. We should have. I think we took his word for it. <laughs> That'll teach us, maybe. Yeah, so there's something uh, something strange with the franchise and transition tag. So we'll be able to use both of them this year. We can use one for Jameis, one for Shaq. I think we'll get deals done on both of those before that's necessary. Yeah, and because the CBA agreement, this is the last year of it, it's called the final league year. And in the final league year, some critical contract rules are different. One of them is this is if there's no agreement reached between with the new CBA okay. you know, in this time, gotcha. time span. Remember in uh, 2010, the final year of the CBA was an uncapped year, uh, meaning there was no salary cap. One of the years where the Buccaneers didn't pay anybody anything because we could go way below the salary cap without being penalized for it. So anyhow, we can keep both of them this year. 
force them to be on the team, basically. <laughs> Whether they like it or not. Right. One last thing before we get into the big drama of the week. Bucks attendance is the team's lowest since 2010. Come on. Year. I know. They averaged 49,315 in 2010, and it's down 15% from 2017 and down 21% from 2015. So in 2019, we averaged 50,728. You know, that's just not helping the team. It's not helping the team. What, what can we do to increase that, to get people to go to the game? The biggest thing, and by the way, these numbers per Greg Allman, I like to give attribution. Do you, do you follow anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Smith, hey, I had some Scott Smith stats thrown in there. <laughs> it's not my fault everyone else is garbage. Oh, oh. So the biggest argument is that the team has put forth such a garbage product in the last decade, 12 years, that people will not spend their hard-earned money on season tickets. You bake in the sun, the tickets are expensive, it's fucking hot, which I will attest to. <laughs> you already so, said that with the bacon. I know. And the, everything's, I gotta say more than once. everything's expensive there, the beer's expensive, the food's expensive. That's every stadium you go to. Apparently, our ticket prices are not that outrageous compared to other NFL teams. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, that's, a, that's an understandable argument because he, the minimum you could go to a Buccaneers game with just two people, probably about 50 bucks. What? I was thinking like 400 between the tickets well, and the food. Well, I'm talking about the you know, cheap tickets or scout okay. tickets or something like that. At this point in time, you can get cheap tickets and, you know, a beer or two. It, it, it just, even, if you, even if you don't, don't drink, don't eat, just go there and fill the stadium up and make noise. We got to we got to figure something out. But, but I think people want to send a message to the team, and the fan base has been very cross with the Glazier ownership. Every every fandom is cross with their ownership, their general manager, all that when they're losing. Yeah, I mean the Browns and the Redskins are perfect examples of that. Oh God, they hate their owners. They want they want Dan Snyder to be strong Beaten up in the and yeah. midfield. <laughs> But, you know, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not just attendance at the stadium. It's our whole fan base, our fandom. It's, it's small. We're the, we're the little guys. Yeah, we have a real small market. Very small market. The, our primetime games are some of the least viewed in the league. Our Houston-Tampa Bay game uh, drew 5.32 million watchers. And That's how many of those were Texans fans? Fan. Right, right. That's compared to the Dallas-Philadelphia game on Fox had 25.32 million viewers. You know, it's like, um, that's a big difference. That's four times the amount. And that stuff matters because if you don't have viewership, networks don't want to put your team on TV. Your team doesn't get on TV. Nobody sees it. You don't get any more fans. It's like a uh, catch-22. Never-ending yeah. cycle. Yeah. But I will say this year... And we've mentioned this before that people say we are an exciting team. The announcers, mm-hmm. almost every game, are like, "Man, this is a fun game to watch." And you've got a lot of personalities on the, a lot of characters on here. You got Adamakong Sue, you've got Shaquille Barrett, you've got Levante David, Devin White, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Now you can throw Perriman in there. Uh, you got Jameis Winston, Ryan you, Jensen. I love seeing him on the big screen. Yeah, you got a lot of players that people that aren't haven't picked a football team yet 
can go, ooh, you know, that guy's neat. I like that guy or whatever, you know. Whatever their reason for becoming a Buck fan is, I don't care just as long as they become Buck fans. <laughs> we need to take over the planet. <laughs> World domination. That is what's on our agenda. That's right. Fill that stadium up. Make the broadcasters want to put us on every week on national TV. We'll see how next season goes. I think we kind of caught some attention this year. So, And especially with Jameis Winston, his whole contract negotiation, being the 30-30 quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Interceptions <laughs> could be fun, too. <laughs> especially when you can overcome them. That, which... I, I'm going to say this. That, that was our biggest issue with this team. I think it's plain and obvious to anybody, but Winston's 30 turnovers is what hurt this team the most. I can't think of anything else. You know, the secondary was really rough. To start the season, our special teams was rough. You know, not much of a running game. But when it comes down to it, you know, James Winston turned that ball over 30 times. That's just interceptions. It's not all fumbles. That That's what cost us. That's what killed us. So he's got to change that. He's got to. Either that or throw 60 touchdowns next year. <laughs> right. But, you know, it was an anomaly this year. He's never thrown that many. He's never thrown... 18-plus interceptions. We would have been thrilled to death with an 18-interception season. Oh, my God. And that's the highest he's ever thrown aside from this season. I do have a fact check. Last podcast, I had said that the offensive line, their, the sacks allowed had diminished as the season went on. That was wrong. It actually kind of dipped in the middle of the season and then went back up. So Molly's full of shit as far as that's <laughs> concerned. <laughs> Just talking out of my ass. <laughs> well, we only allowed one sack on James Winston in the Atlanta game. So, there's that. There is that. So, you aren't completely full of poop. <laughs> Just mostly. Three quarters. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get on to the drama this week that happened almost immediately after the season was over. Yes, now that the season is over, it's time to start paying attention to the media. I know. <laughs> I really stopped listening to them. There's so much going on during the season, and yeah. I think that everyone in the off season is just kind of grasping at any little thing. Yeah. And the journalists, too, I mean, their job is to report on the team. So even when there's nothing going on, they're trying to come up with stuff to cover, much like we are in mm-hmm. the off season. Right. Yeah, during the season, you know, I've got the football games, I've got press conferences, got media reports coming from Buccaneers.com. That's really all I pay attention to. I mean, you're getting from the horse's mouth. You don't really need the media at that point. Yeah, exactly. Plus all the game analysis and keeping up with all that. It just takes up so much time. I don't have time to follow up. And I just don't think that the media really has time to drum stuff up. Yeah. (laughs) But boy, they sure did. You know, stir the pot. They sure did immediately Immediately. after the game. So Bruce Arians' press conference... Was it after the game? Yes. It was after the game. And somebody asked him about James Winston or... I f- what was the question? Do you remember the question? No. It's on our last podcast at the end of the podcast. <laughs> One of the reasons why we put it on there is so that you know people can listen to it. And we adjust the audio so that you can hear the reporter's questions. A lot of times with the... You cannot hear their questions. Yeah. So annoying. We've asked... Uh, a few years ago, Molly... Actually got them to start putting microphones with the reporters when they asked the question so you could hear it. But then they've fallen out of favor with that. They're not doing it this year. Uh, so anyhow, we adjust the, the volume so that you can hear the questions coming from the reporter. That's at the end of the podcast. So if you want to hear what the uh, 
the post-game press conference with the questions. Go to our last podcast. Listen to the last, I think it's about 12 minutes long. Listen to the last, like, 15 minutes. So, anyhow. In any case, somebody asked Bruce Arians about the quarterback situation, and he said, we can win with this quarterback. We could win with another one, especially with this defense. Mm-hmm. And Rick Stroud and Jenna Lane tweeted the quote as, if we can win with this quarterback, we can win with another quarterback. And they did not include the part about the defense, and they inserted the word if. Now, I get it, because if you're sitting in a press conference and you hear it once and you don't have the option to rewind him and hear what he said, and sometimes those small words like if kind of get jumbled in the dialogue, so I think what they do is they sit in the press conference in the press conference and they're tweeting these quotes and they just try to get them out as quick as they can and move on to the next because you'll see when the press conferences are going on they're all tweeting about these quotes. So I get it. And mistakes happen. Mistakes happen and sometimes it is hard to hear everything just on the first shot and then not being able to hear it again until later. After you've already tweeted. So I get that part. But the Bucks PR team took exception <laughs> to this quote that was transcribed. And they particularly jumped on Jenna, which I thought, you know, maybe they should have said something to Rick too. Not that I'm a fan of Jenna because I'm not. <laughs> so there's the original tweet that Jenna had and tweeted. And then she said, I addressed this in a tweet earlier, but it looks like it wasn't seen by some. The word if should have been put into brackets in this tweet and it was corrected in the article. The if was initially done because it was implied in his comment. Reasonable, sounds reasonable. But Scott Smith with the Buccaneers organization and Carmen Vitale took exception to this. And they were just, Scott Smith in particular, was not going to let it go based on Jenna's explanation. So his response is, so the solution was to add a word he didn't say to make it imply what you wanted, what you believed he meant to say. And then Jenna says, this is 100% what I understood the meaning of his his statement to be when I transcribed it. Then Carmen Vitale jumps in and says, this whole quote has gotten misconstrued today. Adding if completely changes the connotation and misrepresents how it sounded in the media. And Jenna said, great, you two know how to get a hold of me. And if not, I'll slide you my number and we can have a thoughtful discussion. Twitter isn't the place for it. Good night. To which Scott Smith replied, I was replying to an inaccurate tweet, which is on Twitter. Seems like a good place for it. (laughs) Which I was very surprised because Scott Smith is ever the professional and very even keeled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's definitely not a uh, loudmouth, in-your-face, aggressive type person. Not at all. You wouldn't expect him to be the first one into this fight. At all. And a fan... or. Someone in the comments to Jenna's correction said, when Kellyanne Conway retires, you can slide right in there, <laughs> which, which Scott retweeted. And then Jenna said, now would probably be a, t- a good time to long off Twitter, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Alter- so, alternative facts there. <laughs> I know. And which Rick Shroud tweeted the same thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how much they went at him. It would have been different if they would have corrected it, but they didn't. They they, they kind of doubled down. Yeah, they doubled down on it. I mean, it did change the meaning of the statement. He, here, here's how Bruce Arian said it. He was like, we can win with this one. We can win with another one. It doesn't matter with this defense. 
that's basically how he said it. But the way they do it, the way they said it was, he was like, if we can win with this one, we can win with any quarterback. Right. With it, you know, and then just left out the whole with this defense part. It's just totally and. It, it was picked up by the national media. You know, of course, Someone Lane, said that it was on the NFL Network. Yeah, you know, Jenna Lane's at ESPN, so, you know, it just gets blasted out everywhere that Bruce Arians says, if we can win with Jameis, we can win with any piece of crap that comes in off the field, basically. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the reasons why we put the conference on the at the end of the podcast here so that, you know, uh, people can hear it straight from Bruce Arians. They don't have to listen to it you know, from the filter of the media. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we adjusted the audio so you can hear who is asking the questions. You know, me and, and my- how they're asking them is very important, and what they're asking and what type of stories that they're writing. Me and Molly can identify almost everybody by their voice who's asking questions. Uh, there's a few every now and then that jump in and ask questions. We're like, who in the world is that? <laughs> right. But after a while, you get to know, you know, you hear Rick Stroud or one of the Joes. Especially or, listen to their podcast. That helps, too, yeah, yeah. to identify their voices. Yeah, they have distinct voices, especially Ira Kaufman. You're very distinct. And Jenna Lane, you can identify hers because she her questions are like 10, 15 minutes long. <laughs> Rick is almost as bad, <laughs> to be fair to Jenna. <laughs> so I thought it was just disingenuous. I thought it was, you know, journalistically, I thought it was unethical. You know, you don't add a word in because you think that's what the meaning was implied. I did not get that from Arians when I heard it at all. I don't know where she got if from. Or Rick. I mean, he did it too. Yeah, whoever. did, Did they both tweet the same thing out during the press conference? Here's Rick's tweet. Rick said, Coach Bruce Arians, when asked if this team could win with another quarterback, quote, with another quarterback? Oh, yeah. If we can win with this one, we can definitely win with another one too. And the if is not in brackets, none of it. Was that tweeted out during the press conference? I think so. Hmm. I don't know for sure. If they both tweeted it out during the press conference, then that sounds like collusion to me. <laughs> <laughs> or she saw, or one of them saw the other one's tweet and filled in the blanks that they missed any. I don't know. I don't know. He's trying to stir up crap already. Yeah, they both should have come out today. We apologize. We, we, we misquoted him. Because they did. That's what it was. Misquote. Put it in brackets if you want to. But she only put it in brackets after everybody called him out for saying, you know, adding the word. Well, and you don't even have to say, I misquoted him. Because that has kind of a negative connotation. But if you say, I just want to clarify this earlier quote. Want- then you can come out and say, you know, I mean, I think you look a little better... If you say it that way. I want to clarify why I put an extra word at the beginning (laughs) that changed the meaning and took out the other half of the sentence that changed the meaning. I made it into what I wanted it to be. Which that was the criticism that they got. This team, is it good enough to win with another quarterback? With another quarterback? Oh, yeah. We can win with this one. We can can definitely win with another one, too. Because we're going to have a defense. And you're going to sit back and and go. All right, that was the quote from uh, Bruce Arians' press conference. I was wrong. I thought I had... That press conference at the last podcast, but it was the post-game press conference. I didn't realize they were talking about the press conference from Monday. So that, what you just heard, was what the whole Twitter hoopla was about, where Jenna Lane and Rick Stroud had tweeted out that Bruce Arian said, if we can win with this quarterback, we can win with another quarterback. Which implies that Jameis is placeable, that yeah. you can get anybody to fill his shoes. And like you said, the question means just as much, and the question was... Uh, can this team with a win with another quarterback? And Bruce Harris was like, well, yeah, this is a really good team, basically. Yeah. You know, we can win with this quarterback, another quarterback, don't matter. It's good defense. Good team. It was about the team and the way that they portrayed the quote made it like it's about Brady James. to Jameis. Yes. Exactly. Right. So I just trying to stir up mess. 
Starting early this offseason. <laughs> They're bored already. <laughs> Weird. I will say this. Aaron's did not seem happy with Jameis after the game, though. So. All right, let's talk about another thing B.A. said about Jameis, which was his vision. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, this irked me with Arians because apparently he is farsighted, not nearsighted. He said that Jameis is nearsighted and it's not really a big deal because he can't see the scoreboard, but he can see the guys in front of him. Now, I have been nearsighted since the third grade in, I don't know, mid-90s. And I will tell you, it's not just a matter of not being able to see the scoreboard. I've had LASIK, so I can see now. She knows the difference. I know the difference now. And I wore contacts for years. But when you're nearsighted, it's not just that you can't see, like, the definition of objects, the outlines. But if they get far enough away from you, the color is also distorted, too. You won't be able to see the color. So my vision was about 2400. I think I was legally blind. When I asked (laughs) my eye doctor, like, what is my prescription? She laughed. So that's how bad my vision was. And I could see stuff in front of me without my glasses, but it was more shapes and blobs of color. But the further away they got from you, the less that you could see them. So Ralph has talked extensively about Jameis's inability to see receivers down the field. And I think his nearsightedness, which has now been confirmed, had never been mentioned in the five years he's been here, which I think is a glaring omission by either the organization, the coaching staffs, or Jameis himself. Well, you had talked about it. You've talked about it ever since Jameis went here. Yeah. You think he's got vision problems. He can't see. And uh, there was a point, I think it was this year, where uh, the report, some reporter asked him, I was Ira Kaufman or somebody, asked Jameis himself, it might have been Scott Smith even, if he had eye problems, and they said no. I'm going to have to look all that up. But it wasn't an issue. And then when we heard this in the press conference. Which is very offhanded and B.A. was very dismissive of it. Yeah, he was like, hey, he wears goggles. It's not a big deal. Sometimes, but, you know, no big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. I am telling you, having lived with vision problems my whole life, it is a big deal. Especially if what you're saying where colors start getting hard to see. Absolutely, because you will point out in the videos He had so-and-so open down the field, 30 yards, wide open, would have been a touchdown. And I can't tell you how many times this season it's happened at least once a game, probably. Mm. And you can't. You can't see... Especially if he's blending in with, like, the sideline guys standing there. No, but you can't even see that far. You can't even see the shape. I mean, maybe my vision was really... Maybe his vision isn't that bad. As bad as mine was. I should hope not. Good Lord, wait, you're making it sound... The guy shouldn't even be allowed to drive a car, let alone a football team. And someone said supposedly he had tried contacts. uh, I think this was a comment in the Twitter thread, so take that with what it is. But that he had tried contacts before, but they kept popping out during the games. It's like at some point, why didn't why haven't they corrected that? Where a visor, which we've seen him wear visors on occasion, and it did seem to help him. Can they make that prescription? He was wearing one. This week. He was. Yeah, Atlanta, or against Atlanta. But not consistently. I don't don't know if it's a prescription. You know, I I don't know if they make them. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know if it would work right, you know, but... Yeah, he needs to at least wear contacts. Something. Or those goggle things. Some kind of correction. Yeah, I remember Brian Greasy used to wear glasses underneath his helmet. Right. Yeah, something. Get them sports goggles. Get LASIK. There's some reason why the guy's throwing all these interceptions. I think it it might have something to do with his, uh, his vision, but I think it's just that he's... He don't care. Honey Badger don't give a damn. <laughs> He's going to throw the ball 
to the receiver Chunk he wants it. to throw the ball to. It don't matter if there's three guys around him. He's just going to rip it. Like that, that pass he did to Perriman against Atlanta. Three guys. He threaded that needle between three guys, three defenders, and got it right in Perriman's hands. And then there's the times he does So he can do that. I don't know. It's, you know, and that kind of says to me, uh, maybe the vision problem isn't that bad. I don't know. All I know, you're nearsighted. The further away shit gets from you, the harder it is to see. <laughs> Good news, though. Uh, John Lynch has been nominated to the finalists, the Hall of Fame again, seventh year in a row. He'll probably get it this year now that he's really turned San Francisco around. It's kind of hard not to acknowledge the guy's contribution to the NFL. Well, Ira has said that they try not to take their current role into consideration. It's just about their play. But who knows if his current role as a GM has hindered his Hall of Fame chances. Also, like it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, the guy deserves a Hall of Fame jacket. That's all I got to say. We'll find out. We'll all be crossing our fingers for him. All right. Let's get to all the coaching changes. Round the NFL. What do we got going eh, on? It was so predictable this year. And it was very, very Boring. few. Yeah. yeah. It no- wasn't that many. Normally it's like seven or eight. I this know. year I think it was, what, two? Three? Well, Freddie Kitchens got it, like, immediately. Poor guy. He never should have. He was like the sacrificial lamb. He never should have been a head coach. Well, Cle- you know, it's Cleveland. <laughs> Did anyone expect anything different? <laughs> you know... Has Jason Garrett been fired yet? No, there's still not that I've heard, nobody right? knows what's going on. They're, they're having all these meetings between him and Jerry Jones and all this. His contract expires on January 14th. So Jerry doesn't even need to fire him. Just not rehire him. Just don't rehire him. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. Uh, the Giants fired Pat Shermer. Doug Marone with the Jags. He is safe. They're going to give him another year. That surprised me. Yeah. Of course, the Redskins, they fired... Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden. I couldn't even remember his name. <laughs> I've already forgotten that, that him. That was mid-season. <laughs> yeah, mid-season. But they ha- they ended up hiring Ron Rivera. They did. Yes, and he brought in... Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio. Good defensive guy. So that's going to be a defensive-minded team up there. They're keeping the Atlanta Falcons staff together. Coach Dan Quinn, he's staying there. They're- Matt Patricia is staying... In Detroit, Adam Gase will stay at the Jets. I can see the Jets, definitely, because they, they kind of turned around there towards the end. So, really, we've got three: the Browns, the Giants, is that it? And the Redskins, who hired what's-his-face? <laughs> that guy. That guy. I don't care about him anymore. Yeah, this has probably got to be the, the, the calmest Black Monday Very I've ever quiet, seen. Very yeah. quiet, yeah. Which is surprising. I, I was expecting to see... Uh, the Atlanta Falcons staff gone. Right. I, I expected to see the Carolina staff gone, uh, Washington staff gone, uh, Detroit maybe, uh, definitely Cleveland, Jacksonville. I thought for sure that place was getting blown <laughs> up. No oh, way, they just quit. Miami. Miami, yeah. Weird. Miami with their 312 draft picks next year. <laughs> the Giants have interviewed or is going to interview. The Cowboys passing game coordinator slash defensive backs coach Chris Richard. Didn't we interview him too? I think we did. They're also going to interview Eric. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm just telling you now. B. Enemy, who is the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs. Josh McDaniels is getting looks from all kinds of teams. There's three put in. Cleveland. I think the Giants. New York, maybe. Yeah, that's what you just said. I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Matt LaFleur's brother 
is getting some interest, too, from the Browns. They're going to pull him away from his photo shoots. (laughs) Now, listen, he's the passing game coordinator at the 49ers. So Cleveland wants to interview him. Oh, wow. Mike McCarthy (laughs) is interviewing with the Giants this weekend. And he's also interviewed with the Panthers and expected to talk to the Browns at some point. Oh, man. Come on, Panthers. Pull through with this one. Pull through with this one. Hire Mike McCarthy. (laughs) The Giants requested permission to speak to Josh McDaniels from the Patriots and also the Patriots special teams coordinator slash receivers coach Joe Judge. And the Panthers and Browns have also been granted permission to speak to McDaniels. That's a weird one. You don't hear special teams coordinators getting interviewed for head coach jobs that often. It's usually offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators. I feel like the special teams is kind of the redheaded stepchild. And then always has been. I feel like they would migrate to either most likely to defensive coordinator. Like I feel like that would be a promotion. Hmm. So no one's really been hired except for Ron Rivera and only three coaches fired. Very calm. I know, very quiet. Very quiet. And for once it's not the fucking Buccaneers. So (laughs) praise Jesus for that. Yeah, we're set for a, for another year at least. At least, yeah. All right, let's go after go over the playoffs. Here we go. Are you excited about playoffs? I am excited about playoffs. They're always it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, always fun. It's more fun when the Buccaneers are in it, but you wouldn't know. But that. it's just that any given Sunday, you get the one chance, mm-hmm. and then you're out of it if you lose. So yeah, every game means. Everything. I want you to tell me your predictions. Let's go predictions on this one. Oh. All right. The first game on Saturday at 435 is the Bills at Texans. Who you got? Uh, you know, I haven't really seen the Bills play that much Okay, this year. I don't care about that. <laughs> you just tell me who you I think i got to give my win. reasons. Okay. Uh, and I have seen the Texans play. The Bills beat the Patriots this year. I've, Football math. Man, I you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Bills. Ditto. Okay. All right. Next on Saturday, we've got the Titans at Patriots. This is a messed up one because the Patriots are looking horrible. I haven't even watched them. Yeah, their offense is sputtering. But here's the thing with the Patriots. They've been here before. Right. That's the thing. You can't ever count Patriots. Right. And the playoffs are such a different beast. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know. i got to go with the Patriots. But but Tennessee, you know, Derrick Henry's killing it out there. But really, that's... You know, they're just a solid team. but Right, but we saw this with the, the Rams Patriots. last year. Like, once they got to the limelight and got their asses kicked by the Patriots, you had that deer-in-the-headlights look. You just had people who had never been there before yeah. and mm. didn't know what to do when they were having the crap beat out of them. Right, yeah, and the Patriots are very, very good in the playoffs. So. <laughs> and the regular season, usually. So, yeah, we're both going with the Patriots. Uh, of course. You can't not go with the they Patriots. They are my Super Bowl pick. Yeah, that's So right. I need them to pull this out. All right. Let's talk about the NFC. So AFC is on Saturday. Blech. Normally they do an AFC game and then an NFC game. I know. Game. They this didn't year do that both. this year. Yeah. yeah. NFC is Saturday. Or Sunday. I'm sorry. So first game at 105, we've got the Vikings at Saints. Oof. Uh, man, I hate to say it. Okay. But- they play during the regular season. Do you remember or the preseason? They played during the preseason, and you said, oh, oh yeah. they look like two that's right. starting teams. They were just beating the mess out of each yeah, other. Yeah, that's right. I was like, these two teams, they're, even their backups are playoff caliber teams. And here they are in the first game of the playoffs. And I 
will say we both picked the Patriots for the AFC in the Super Bowl, and I picked Minnesota from the NFC, and you picked the Saints. The Saints. That's right. So this is a big game for so us. One good, of us is going I know. down. You know what? Honestly, I think I'm going down. I don't. I think that. The Vikings are the pretenders here. Yeah, uh, I got to pick the Saints too. Yeah, me it's too. at the Saints, so it's just that's a more advantage for them. I concur. So we're picking all the same team. I know. Right, Quit last copying one, me, Ralph. Last one, I know we're going to pick the same. <laughs> How can you not? Okay. <laughs> Seahawks at Eagles. Speaking of pretenders, we have the Seahawks at Eagles. Yeah, this is going to be a beatdown. I think so too. Yeah. I, you know, this is the that's remember so... in. 2009, 2010, when the Seahawks squeaked in with Matt Hasselbeck yeah. at seven and yeah, they nine, fell back into it the was ridiculous. Yeah. And immediately, of course, as which came as a surprise to no one, <laughs> were eliminated. So I think that's yeah, I where think the Eagles good. are. Yeah. So we picked all of them the same. All the same. Yeah. This is boring. It is boring. You're boring. Well, you know. <laughs> you know what? You need to pick the Titans over the Patriots. I'll do that Change if you pick the Eagles over the Seahawks. <laughs> Okay, so you know the only game that really matters to us is the Vikings Saints game because that that you think you said the Vikings were going to go to the Super Bowl, I said Saints were going to go to the Super Bowl. Only one of us can be right here. So bam, there we go. Ugh. And now you're picking against your own pick. I am because I just don't. They didn't get better this year. It's not like they've had this breakout year. They've kind of always been on the cusp for mm-hmm. the last few years, and yeah. they just don't seem to get over that hump. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're a tough team. Good, disciplined football team. They got some stars on there. Dealing. Uh, Who's their quarterback? <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Still? Yeah. See, I get Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum confused because the they cuc- swapped teams. Too many cuss sounds. Maybe. That's got to be it. Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum. Yeah, like their initials are reverse. Mm, yeah. Casey and CK. Interesting. <laughs> My tiny little woman brain does not quite <laughs> distinguish. <laughs> oh, yes. But now I just don't think the Vikings have it. I'm sorry. I wish not they against, did. Not against the Saints. Oh, no. no. I'd like to not. see the Saints-Seahawks play. I think that'll be a good game. Um, who else and do we have left? We got San Francisco and Green Bay have a bye okay. the first week. I don't, th- uh, I don't think Green Bay is all that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Typical. Well, Detroit and Chicago, both in that division, kind of stank it up. Trash. Yeah. And in the AFC, we've got Baltimore and Kansas City. Got the buys. Baltimore, I think, has the shot at taking it all the way. I don't see anybody that can stop them. Now they've beaten the mess out of everyone in the playoffs. Yeah, well, they're just a good tackling, blocking team, man. They're just really really good. God, I wish they had fired John Harbaugh. (laughs) I know. It'd be interesting to see the Saints in the – Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Oh, that would be a good one. The prima donna team against the Smash Mouth team. You know, all of these teams, I feel like the people who would be terrible in the Super Bowl, like the Eagles, like they're going to get wiped out immediately. There's no chance that mm. they're making it. Yeah. But you never know. The never playoffs know. are such a different beast. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to stay and hang out and listen to the Bruce Arians press conference from Monday, we're going to have it attached here at the end with the audio adjusted so you can hear the questions. We're going to try to keep to a schedule of three times a week until we can't do that anymore, until we just can't come up with stuff to talk about anymore. You're truly going to have to bear with us because, as I, you know, the off season can be very grueling. So yeah. we try to come up with interesting stuff. I can't remember if we did what we did 
during the offseason last year, we were doing three podcasts a week, but what were they? We, I mean, we didn't have no instant cast. We didn't have no film review. We didn't have no I think just preview. NFL news and Bucks news and predictions. I think we did a lot of predictions. Uh, we'll have to go back and see what our format was back then. Anyhow, uh, hang around, listen to Bruce Arians, give some good football knowledge about the team. And until next time. Go Bucks. Uh, after watching the film, there's really nothing different than, than we talked about yesterday. Um, you can all save your breath about asking me about Jameis uh, because there's not going to be a decision made for a while. So that's that's a mute point right now. And, uh, you know, we had a good exit meeting with the guys, and I'll meet with them all individually here this afternoon and tomorrow and uh, and talk about the future. Can you uh, take us through the process of these if you want to be specific with regards to, I know you evaluate all players, but obviously the quarterback you look at each week, right? Mm-hmm. You get every throw, you try to dissect it and correct it. So what will be the process? Is this going to be a long decision? Is it going to be something you'll know within a few weeks? So? I, I would think in a few weeks, yeah. We'll have a decision on which way we want to head. Um, will we let it out? Probably not, you know, because you lose you lose your leverage on that one too. Uh, so uh, it's be stay tuned. So basically, we're in the end of our seats till when March? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, March is a good month. Bruce, when you meet with these players individually, what is that conversation like? Uh, the things they did well, the things they need to correct, uh, where their improvement needs to be, uh, where you're going to spend the off season, and how you're going to get better. Um, obviously, you'd love to coach them, but with the rules right now, we can't. You know, which is not real smart, but it is what it is. So, um, how are you going to get better? Or will you be a part of it next year? You talk to the team. Would you be able to share your message to them, and or at least what you hope they took from that? Yeah, the biggest message was I think the difference between us and the New Orleans Saints in September. They knew they were going to win the division. We thought we might, but we weren't sure, and it was too late by October. Because you you lose playoffs in September sometimes. A lot of people don't like talking about that. When you start losing games in September, they come back to bite you in December. And uh, and some of those did for us. And I think it was just maybe we're good enough, not really knowing. I think next year when we step on the field, we should know we're good enough. Is it up to those guys to make that conscientious decision that we are gonna we are gonna turn this around? We are gonna. Well, I think we turned it around. Now the, the, the last month or so, we were very competitive and. Um, Still should have won these last two ball games and uh, learn from those mistakes and and, and build on it. Um, add new players like we always do. Try to keep the best we have and uh, and, and and move on. Does it sting even more, Brooks? Does it sting even more when you you're going to go back and you're going to look at all the things you were pretty darn good at, like mm-hmm. red zone, you know, third down, rushing defense, and and then you end up seven and nine. Yeah, and it's a lot of it was the growth in the secondary. You know, but not all of it. Uh, the growth in the secondary gives me so much hope because our front seven was so solid all year. And the way we start playing defense in the middle of November uh, gets me gets me excited. It really wants me to keep working this week. And uh, and the things we did offensively, uh, some were historic in the wrong way and some were historic in the right way. Uh, I, I loved this, the running game yesterday. I, I thought we ran the ball okay all year yesterday. We ran the ball well enough to win. In terms of historic in the long way, right? I don't know that there'll be another quarterback throw 30 because I don't know that a guy will be able to go out there that many times to do it. Um, you came in and said, this is his team. 
I know Blaine was here, he got hurt, we know that happened, but even in the event that you were deciding that we're moving forward with Jameis in some capacity, would there at least be um, less tolerance for those mistakes in the next time? Uh, would you have another quarterback that would be prepared much like Tennessee did with Mariota and mm-hmm. shelved them and said, you know, we're going to have a guy ready to go? Mm-hmm. I think you do that every year. You know, you have every position. It's a performance-based business. So if you're not performing, you get replaced. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes. But there was more rope with Jameis this season. I mean, I don't... Yeah, a big part of it was playing getting hurt. And we had to find out. Yeah, I mean, this was a franchise, so we have to find out. What did you find out about Jameis? I know we ask you every week, you know, your thoughts on him. But what, what did you find out or what questions did you have answered that you just didn't know? Uh, he's, he's a very bright, hard-working quarterback. I mean, he puts his time in. Coach, you've expressed a desire to, to win now, and you certainly talked about the talent being here to win now. But if the decision is made to move on from James, then you're looking at year two with a new quarterback in Tampa Bay, your second year as the head coach here. As far as teaching the system over, is, is that matter to you? How much does that matter to you, having to teach a guy again the system all over again? No, not at all. Um, if that's what it comes to, He'll be a, he'll be expected to play at the level to win a championship. Talk about the progress from the secondary and the young DBs, based on where they are now at the end of the season. Do you, do you think the secondary position needs to be addressed this offseason? Or okay? I, I think we could still look at a safety, you know. Um, but I, I, you know, getting I love Dakota Dixon, and he was possibly going to be our starting strong safety until he knocked out his shoulder. So getting him back, hopefully getting Justin Evans back. I'm not sure we do. Uh, we're fine at corner, and. Uh, but if again, if there's somebody on the board, and he's the best player on the board at that position, we'll take him. You mentioned a second surgery for Justin Evans. Where is he at now in his recovery process from these injuries? Um, it's still too early to tell. The second one went fine. You know, uh, he's still a few months away. Bruce, you were unequivocal uh, when we asked you about Shaq Barrett a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so he's not going anywhere. Uh, should we read into that that uh, he's getting franchised, or, or I mean, well, hopefully we, agency. hopefully we can get a deal done. You know. Uh, you know, we've got we've got some very important free agents uh, that I think want to be here, and uh, you know we'll have a, a long hard discussions this week, um, Jason and myself, the owners, and see what we can iron out because I want to keep this defense together. What about Jason Pierre-Paul? You know, with so many question marks going into this year, and he finishes the season uh, on such a high note, uh, where how much of a priority would it be to bring him back? Huge, huge, one of the highest. One of the other factors in one of those free agents is and Dominic Sue. You had Peter Bay on the other side of him, finally go to his first full year in the NFL. How much is it a factor to bring in and Dominic Sue to have that influence again as a he's, he's one of the top three. Uh, now you can start with Shaq, JPP, either one, and, and Sue. Uh, I want to keep this front seven together. They, they've proven to be pretty dominant. What's your feelings about the old line at this point? Uh, it's still a, you know, a lot of evaluation to go into it. Um, We'll sit down as a group and talk about each guy individually here Thursday and, uh, and evaluate where, where we want to head. Look better at pass blocking or, or, or run blocking? I, I think this past weekend we were better. We were fine in all, all faces. Um, it's, I mean, it's been a, a guy here or there sometimes, but I thought Kappa had a hell of a year. Jensen's as solid as ever. Allie's as solid as ever. Donovan had a much improved, better year. Uh, and Dot is Dot. You know, he's, he's as dependable as you get. Chris, you talk a lot about accountability. You have the accountability board. Uh, your team led the NFL in penalties this year and led the NFL in pre-snap penalties. How big a problem is that and how frustrating is that for you? Very, very. I pride myself in having a smart football team, and we were not a smart football team. And uh, one of the areas we will address this offseason. Have you guys completely ruled out Jameis Winston having any kind of vision issues? I understand he wears a visor, but it's something that comes up from time to time. Yeah, he's nearsighted. I mean, he can't read the scoreboard, but he can see the guys in front of him, so he's fine. 
So there hasn't been any talk about contact lenses. He's got goggles that he practices in sometimes. Coach, what do you need to evaluate between now and March when it comes to Jameis Winston? Everything. Every snap. Run game, passing game, interceptions, completions, the whole thing. You mentioned DeMar Dotson. Um, he's obviously the longest tenured Buccaneer. In your one year with him, what's been your take on what he's brought? <laughs> I love him, man. He's a he's a warrior. You know, you, you, you want to build your team around warriors, and he's definitely one of them. We talked a lot about officiating this year. <laughs> you, got a, you got a pass the call back after an old call yesterday. You, this offseason, as you guys evaluate change with the process of officiating and review, what are the things you'll, you'll care about the most and lobby the most for? I like to keep the rule. You know, I, I mean, that was a huge play that, you know, all started with the Saints-Rams playoff game that we can never allow that to happen in the league again. So we came up with a rule. In September, the rule was working fine. And all of a sudden, there was a total change of philosophy on that rule, you know. Um, I think the one last week was pass interference, and I still do. You know, it's almost identical to this one. Uh, OJ's offensive pass interference, I couldn't get a replay or I would have challenged that um, because that was a huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. Speaking of OJ, look at the talent he has in terms of the measurables. It just The production didn't match the talent. Why was that? Measurables don't play. Players play. And uh, he's got a lot of talent, and he can play better. And we hope he he blocked as best he has all year in that game. Without you know evaluating every throw, since you do that each week, is decision making the biggest factor? In other words, it's not mechanical. It's not with James. Um, oh, the mechanics improved dramatically. I think you know everybody talked last year. He can't hit a deep ball. They may be the best in the league. So, yeah, all those things go into it. Are it mostly decision-making with respect to his mistakes? I think that and repetitive mistakes. Uh, how many of where there are those? How many? All those things go into it. Do you, you know, you started, you came here. There was no secret. You know, you're, you're the quarterback whisperer, and they had a franchise quarterback that they really wanted to see get the most out of this guy. Mm -hmm. um, in the one area that, that he had the reputation of turning the ball over, that was the area that you could fix this year. This year. So do you feel like that? That's. I mean, it's, it's clearly not totally on the coaching staff. There have been four other years where it didn't happen either. But is that the area that you? I think that's where you sit down. You sit down with him and and you talk it all over. And uh, all of us, Clyde, Byron, myself, Jameis, and uh, and look at it and evaluate it. Is the five thousand thirty-one good enough to win a championship, or is it? the 31 and whatever many fumbles losing the championship so that's that's where you go in this team is it good enough to win with another quarterback with another quarterback oh yeah we can win with this one we can win we can definitely win with another one too because we're going to have a defense and you're going to sit back and, and go through the whole season and look at everything all over again is there it seems like there are some common you know denominators with some of these these interceptions whether it be you know early on in games you know some of those plays that are supposed to be high completion percentage throws you know getting the quarterback into rhythm it seems like those have given him problems or i know early on in the season it seems like the curl route was kind of an issue or sometimes like an arrow route i mean there, is there any it's a lot of times it's these short to intermediate throws that you wouldn't expect to give him a lot of trouble um can you maybe pinpoint why those have been an issue for him as a timing thing that'd be one of the things we'll evaluate or is that motivated all you to uh, get Godwin an extension, or is that on the back burner? Oh, no, it's high. It's high. He's earned it. And, uh, you know, same thing. If we can keep the receiving core together, which is going to be hard, but we're going to try to do everything we can to keep that core because I think it's one of the top in the league. I think Brashard proved that in the last three weeks. Um, when you put the three of them out there, it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. With Matt Gay, we saw you know, an early miss with the Giants. It was real costly. Then a really good stretch for him. Uh, then misses in the last three games and three yesterday. How much do you think you need to address kicker in the offseason? 
I don't think we need to address it, but we need to have competition, you know, like we always do with every position. Um, he needs to spend all spring kicking in that end zone, you know, because it's when you look at the history of, the, of that stadium, that's where most kicks are missed because of the, it's a crazy wind across that back side of that stadium. And it's just getting confidence. You know, you miss right, you miss left. Try to hit it harder so you pull it. You know, for a rookie kicker, sometimes that can get baffling. And I think it's definitely in his head right now. That, that end zone, the other end zone's no problem. Because you think the wind factor on that side of the If in the history of the stadium, it says so. The all kickers, not just ours. First, the return game, be it punts or kickoff, didn't really have a lot of impact plays there uh, when you did bring it out of the end zone. How much do you think you, you might need to bring in someone specific for return? I would just need to get T.J. Logan healthy because he, he was doing a pretty good job when he was in there until he broke his thumb. Because you want to keep as many of these defensive guys as free agents, it's an allocation system. That, does that also factor in the, into the situation with your quarterback uh, in terms of salary? Or yeah, the, the, the whole the whole the receivers, the D line. I mean, the outside pass rushers, the quarterback. They're all in that same pot. There's only so much to go around. So right. we we got to sit and, and as an organization, where do we want to go? Because yeah. last year in the CBA, how beneficial was it to be able to have a franchise tag and a transition tag if you want to use both? I think it's big still to have them. You know. Uh, not having them could cost you some players. Really 11 months ago, you get the job, and one of the bigger factors was being able to work with Jameis Winston. But now, first season's done, and unfortunately, he still has the same problem that he had in the previous four years as far as the turnovers are concerned. As a personal level, from a personal level, how much is that affecting you, not being able to help him fix that problem? That's yeah, frustrating, you know. I mean, to see the growth was great, but to see the regression in some areas was very frustrating. Bruce Buck fans have been through a lot. You know that. Uh, through a lot of coaches before you came here. What's your message uh, going forward to Buck fans? Um, we will quit beating ourselves, and then we'll be hard to beat. And uh, the penalties, the turnovers, um, there are very, very few missed assignments anymore. The accountability is, is there. Uh, they play extremely hard, and, uh, and we'll be a tough out. How about yourself? Um, you came into this pass with a C, uh, <laughs> you know. I'm hoping to get a C-plus this time. <laughs> you made it through a whole season without any... Any uh, yeah. trips to check up? Uh, how do you feel? You, you want to do this again? I, I, I give a, about a few hundred thousand dollars to be practicing this week. I mean, uh, because I just know if we got in the tournament, we could do some damage. So physically, you feel good. I mean, I know a few weeks ago you had some good boys in the middle but uh, you feel good physically? I feel great, yeah. I mean, um, I've got a great person working on me every day. That's the best hire I've ever made is Morale. So uh, she's keeping me ready. Get my golf game hopefully now. Your coaching staff, you mentioned the interest that Todd and that Byron have for head coaching jobs. But absent that, do you expect to have everybody back? I would hope so. You know, I'm very pleased with the work that they did, um, all of them, uh, in, all, in all the phases. So um, I saw growth in every area. I saw really good coaching in every area. I saw really young young players develop uh, that we needed to have developed. Coach, can you spell out between now and March what you see as the options regarding Jameis Winston? Well, free agency, who's available? What's what's behind door number two? That's the first question. And then as you evaluate for the draft, um, that that's another question. Are they better than what you have? And then you evaluate, and that's when you make your decisions.